You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to everybody to the uh, Renew Economy Solar Insiders podcast, which we are recording live this week from the All Energy Australia conference in Melbourne. My name is Sophie Vorreth and I am the Deputy Editor at Renew Economy and I will be the co-host today uh, in this special edition podcast in which we are discussing the slippery subject of crap solar. Um, It's not something that you'll see much of here today, but it is out there and there is a whole Facebook page dedicated to it. Um, So we want to get to the bottom of it, pardon the pun, um, of how it happens and how it can be avoided. And uh, leading the discussion today will be Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics, um, who is a regular Solar Insiders co-host. Sorry. And... Our very special guests are Solar Cutters founder Jack Long and Eddie Springer from Springer's Solar. And uh, our plan is to revolve the conversation around a few questions, key questions, um, but we will be taking some input from the floor, is yeah. that correct? Yeah, good idea. So without further ado, I will hand over to you, Nigel. Uh, and let's talk crap. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a perfectly assembled panel for that. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Soph. Welcome, everyone. Um, Great to be back here again this year. Um, it, it, actually, it's been interesting uh, sitting on a couple of other sessions today where crap solar has been actually a, um, a really topical thing and there's been a lot of conversations and some of the other classes or, yeah, some of the other master classes about, you know, what's been going on around the industry and uh, uh, what industry has been doing that about uh, doing about that. And there's a couple of questions I'm going to ask these guys in a minute. Um, I, I also... I, I sort of thought I might start off by just talking about, you know, the fact that our industry is not the only industry in the world to suffer from having a crappy part of the industry. Um, You know, there's been a lot of news lately about the banking sector, of course, just undergone a royal commission into a whole lot of crap behaviour. And and it's the same basic principle, right? You've got um, retailers, essentially, in the form of banks, behaving unethically, uh, you know, dancing and dodging to try and make more money and, and gr- being driven by greed. Um, we've also, um, the aged care sector has been pounded lately and whenever you hear people talking about the aged care sector, uh, the common theme that you hear from there is, well, there's just these, these few dodgy operators that are coming in and, you know, spoiling the party for all of us. So um, uh, it's, it's certainly not... Uh, just on us. And in fact, I I did find some survey data the other day. Um, There was a a survey done of 46,711 customer complaints in Australia up until May this year. Uh, 46% of them were about couriers or delivery services. Um, uh, 21,000, in fact out of the 46. Uh, 28% or 13,000 were about internet service providers, that's your Wi-Fi, so there's <laughs> cut through into our industry there. Um, and 14% were about retail electronics and 12% were about insurers. Nowhere in there did I mention solar providers, which was something of a relief. Um, but it just goes to show you that we're not the only industry in the world to suffer from having 
crap players, and I take a lot of solace in that. Um, maybe to kick off, one of the great things that I heard a panel talking about earlier today was despite the um, uh, uh, shambolic introduction of Solar Victoria and despite the pain that it's caused, the terrible pain that it has caused the industry, uh, I heard a bunch of retail, solar retailers today talking about how they felt they were really glad that the bar has been lifted in Victoria and that it probably at the end of the day won't hurt. It's actually going to make solar safer. It's forced all these solar companies to lift their game and it's forced everyone because of their rigid audit audit um, uh, regime uh, to, to all come up to that same standard. Um, maybe I'll start with you, Jack. You're Victorian-based. I thought that was a really interesting take to hear that you know, what Solar Vic had done down here had actually potentially diminished some crap solar. What's your take on that? Uh, I think this whole Solar Vic scheme um, in the long term uh, would be great um, for the industry. Um, in Victoria, as you know, 100% um, of the jobs are already being inspected um, under the um, Certificate Electrical Safety. Which is quite um, unique, right? That happens here in Vic. I heard it happens in Tassie. It does. But I don't think it happens in Queensland. It doesn't happen in Queensland no, or New South Wales. Um, or WA. Yeah, I think the... But the Solar Vic audits, which are being rolled out now, um, wasn't great. So there's, there's a lot of stuff posted on Facebook where um, a lot of inspectors were either nitpicking um, yep. on jobs. Yep. Um, or just ticking boxes really to fill out the three-hour um, questionnaire. So obviously there were orders that were done thoroughly and it's great. So you obviously you have to push um, and uphold the quality of the industry. But I don't think it's quite there yet. A lot of the audits that are happening, I don't think they're thorough enough yet yeah. um, or really stamping out uh, crap solar because yeah. you know is it helping do you think it's helping it's definitely helping obviously like yeah. it's better than no inspectors right um but i just think it could have been rolled out a little bit smoothly yeah um, absolutely. the market didn't really know who was carrying out the audits a lot of it was um was subbed out then it was subbed out again you know right. and it was there was actually installers are the ones who are doing the inspections yep. so, that, so they've never done inspections before and they were on facebook asking about clauses <laughs> messaging me about different clauses and standards and racking. Right. So I don't, it's good in theory, I just don't think it's quite there yet. Right, right. Yeah. So, so let, me, let, me t let me throw to Queensland then with you, Eddie. Um, hypothetically, assuming that a state government could learn a lesson from what a state government had previously done, which is something of a stretch, but let's go there. Would you, uh, in the battle against crap solar, like to see some of what's been rolled out in Victoria happen in Queensland? Would yeah, that help? Absolutely. Like Queen, <coughs> Queensland recently just uh, did a battery rebate and solar loans program prior to Victoria. It was administered, I think, a lot better, and we've had random audits in that. Yep. So it hasn't been a 100% audit regime. But Queensland, we're self-regulated in our electrical industry, so we, we don't have mandatory inspections for electrical installations. But even, you know, I saw the CER put up some stats recently that the level of substandard work in Queensland <coughs> was at a lower proportion to states that have mandatory ESV inspections. Wow. So over-regulation doesn't always mean you're going to lift yeah. the bar and lift the standard of installations. Right. And I absolutely agree with Jack's comments about the 
the mandatory inspections and inspections of every systems, we have a lag in inspectors that are qualified and able to deliver that service. Right. And for me in Queensland, I'm getting inspected by my competitors. Yeah. And guys that are going head to head with me in a sales and installation division are then two months later completing CR inspections. And that's when you get the nitpicking and that's when you get, you know, that, that uh, uh, jealousy and bias, I yeah. think. Yeah. With the question regarding <coughs> Queensland, is it, uh, with Energex, uh, is it true they have more stringent requirements in terms of um, meter boxes and switchboards there? Where it has to be like on a hinge panel. So, you know, a, a lot of your quotes are taking into account full switchboard upgrades, meter works, whereas here it's a bit more slap and dash. Yeah, so, uh, so Queensland it. recently went to a full contestable metering. So prior to that, Energex was a little bit more um, not so black and white, a little bit more grey about switch uh, metering panels and and legacy systems and older systems. Whereas as soon as it went to full contestable metering, the rule book was there. New electricians were coming on board to do meter changes for the retailers, and they were reading it black and white. Mm. So there's been a massive shift in. Uh, the quality of the electrical upgrades and metering work that's happened in Queensland as a result of that. Mm, mm. It's still hit and miss. You still can get one inspector that will interpret it one way and a different inspector that will interpret it a different way. But that has lifted the bar. Yep. Um, is with, this a CER with that audits or is this another...? No, this is just, just straight, through straight, straight metering, yeah, metering yeah. change. Oh. Yeah, so this yeah. is a Energex and Ergon combine their books, so we're all under the one banner now. And, and it's, it's black and white, you have to comply. Yep, yep. So maybe you made a round that first. And I'll just add, I was chatting with Noel last night who was telling me about some training that he'd done as well. And there's a big gap in the training area as well. Um, you go and do some of these courses and um, the courses aren't really worth the money or the time. So it's, the a, it's a paper ticket. For, it's a paper it's ticket. A, depending on where you go, there's some great right. RTOs out there and there's yep. some terrible ones. That's right. So there's a lot of work to be done. I heard someone talking to me this morning about the um, uh, working at Heights ticket that you've got to go, that's mandatory down here in Vic, right? And, um, you know, they were just ticking the boxes. There, yep. was, there was not really a lot of practical stuff in there. So fair bit of work to do on training, fair bit of work to do on... Uh, making sure that these conflicts of interest are kept out of the industry. I think that's really important. Um, so what about if we now jump over and, and talk about the retail level? Because, you know, one of the things that I've been able to do in over the years is actually help identify fraudulent rec brokers. We've helped bring a couple of PV manufacturers, uh, um, uh, help bring in a couple of fraudulent, bring down a couple of fraudulent importations of PV modules. There may be another one coming soon, interesting, interestingly. Uh, there's been, you know, um, phoenixing is, is profound. Um, we helped bring down Pastor Chris. You remember Pastor Chris took 200 rebates in Queensland and then, you know, vanished. Uh, he's in jail now, luckily. Uh, and down here in Victoria, um, there have been two companies booted from the scheme down here already, Space Solar and Sandara Electrics the other week, um, uh, who both got booted for safety breaches or unsafe electrical practices, which falls in the bucket of not doing things properly and therefore implicitly crap. Um, uh, and interestingly, you know, according to The Age, one of the directors of Sandara, which, is, uh, which was thrown out of the scheme, 
um, is now uh, that company's in liquidation and he's already started up a new business. Yep. So we've already seen some potentially some phoenixing happening there. So what do we do? And this is really what I want to try and get out of today. Some practical tips for us all to go back home and start thinking about and work on. How do we stop? Eddie, you've been in retail for a long, long time in the family business, dealing with all sorts of competitive environments. What do we do against about an unscrupulous retail behaviour? Well, you touched on it earlier. We're, we're, we're not immune in this industry to shonks, and every industry's got them. And in a growing industry, which is what we've got, the fly-by-nighters will come in and leave. So I think the first step is customer education. And some, some weeks I feel like the tide is turning and customers are becoming more educated, and they know that that cheap and nasty system is just that cheap and nasty. But then the next week you get the flood of phone calls. What's, you know, what's your cheapest 6.6 .6 kilowatt system? You know, oh, you're, you're more than three and a half grand, or, you, or if you're in w, WA, you're more than two and a half grand, no thanks, and they hang up the phone. Yep. So it's about educating customers that not all systems and not all products are the same. Um, I think that's the, definitely the first step. We are one of the most regulated industries in Australia, so I don't think yeah. more regulation, more red tape is going to help. No. Um, it hasn't worked in the past, so no. I don't think going down that path is, 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 is going to be get to the outcomes we want. Um, the approved solar retailer program in its initial stages was a real beacon of um, quality and lifting the bar and everything else, but that seems to have become a bit of a victim of its own success. Mm. You know, it has become mandatory in so many programs that when you can buy the templates and you can, you can enter in that with, with cash rather than knowledge and experience, then that has been watered down to a level where it's, where it's not a program that is, is well, it, it hasn't allowed the, the, that benchmark to lift as much as it has. So, and then you've got low barrier to entry, you know? Some Very low. It's as low as, there low as it can no, go. No, no barrier, no barrier to, entry. to entry, yeah. So someone can a set up on a laptop yeah. in their mum's basement yep. and start selling solar systems. Yeah, that's right. You know, and they sub out the installs. And, and one of the things that annoys me on, on some of our social media platforms is someone in Sydney puts out a system to be installed in, you know, in Townsville. I've sold a system in Townsville. Can I get someone to subcontract and install it? Yeah. That's not a sale, that's a lead. Yeah. That's, hey, I've got a, a lead for someone in Townsville who is local, who can do the job, who can service and support that customer in the future. That's something that should be, if, if you've got no ability to service and support that customer in the future, yep. that's not yeah. a sale, that's, that's a lead, pass yeah. it on. And not yeah. knowing like different state-based specific requirements, yeah. like in NT, you've got you know, specific wind loading um, requirements and, and, um, and, and I metering. I understand the subcontract model where large systems get, you know, that sales process, that engineering process is very detailed and you've got to be very good to do it. And then you engage a quality subcontractor to do that work. But this volume sales and then shuffling out the installs to the lowest bidder, that's yeah. where we get the crap sales. That's garbage. Sort of, you know, you sort of have that whole order to cash uh, process um, where a lot of these retailers will now sell a 6.6 .6 kilowatt Wi-Fi powered, you know, garbage for, you know, 2990 and then automatically the customer is, is in the mindset of that's the system that I need. No matter what their consumption profile is, their load profile or, you know, all the bells and the whistles on the market, they just want a 6.6 .6 kilowatt system whatever, that's all they yep. want. Yep. 
you get the sale, or you lose the sale, sorry, uh, and then you end up losing it to a company who's probably uh, misled the customer, you know, one way or the other, whether it's the performance estimate or the return on investment there. Uh, and then they generally would sub out um, and then they generally hold uh, the keys to the quality of the system as well because they control the rate card. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how they make their, you know, the profit. Yeah. You know, they're cramped down on the install cost. So what the, what, what the hell do we do about this, guys? Because I, um, you know, the discussion about getting retailers under control, especially when this all started 10 years or so back and there was a lot of conversation going on in SIA and the Clean Energy Council and everyone else about the fact that, you know, okay, we've got our regulation, we've got our accreditation program, we've got our training modules for installers, we've got really good solid foundations, some of the best in the world for keeping our installers really, really educated well and trained up well. And so the problems that were starting to emerge then were all retail-based behaviour. It was yep. bad retailer behaviour, kind of thing that you were talking about. We argued about it, we debated it, we looked at the laws, we realised that we actually you can't, you can't really do very much in that space. And after eight or ten years of arguing about it, the ASR came out yep. because it was the compromise route to try and get retailers accountable. But it's, it only applies to 500 out of 5,000 companies. So there's still a, a ton of companies out there that's got no influence over. Um, we've got state-based uh, consumer law that kind of comes into play. We don't have a centralised complaint system. What could we do? If, if hypothetically, you know, if, if, if you could just wipe the slate clean, knowing what you guys know about retailing and, and the retail behaviour. What are we going to do to solve this bad retail behaviour? How do we solve it? Well, I spoke about less regulation before, but then do, do we need some form of mechanism to regulate salespeople? Mm. So motor dealers have a motor dealer licence to be able to sell a car or sell a caravan. Right. They've got to have some form of skin in the game to be able to sell that product and that license can be revoked if they do dodgy, dodgy stuff. A solar sales license. Or well, it, is it, do, do we have to have all our solar sales people have a design accreditation? I agree. With you all sales people should have design accreditation the, the, as a minimum. The, there's got to wow. be, there's gotta yeah. be some barrier to entry into solar. To selling solar. You've got to get some skin in the game. You've got to do some training. You've got to front up with some cash. Yep. You know, you've got to be able to to prove your competency yep. to be able to sell a system. A universal and, registration program and, or... And, and you know, installers get striked off, installers uh, get suspended, they, they get demerit points. Yep. You know, sales, salesmen and, and, and sales teams potentially need some well, of the, the same Well, the issue starts with the initial sale. So, you know, the advertising can be misleading, the salesperson doesn't sell the system properly. And then that correlates all the way through to the installation. And, and they they yep. they just vanish. Yep. They oh, yeah. Sell the, the installer carries the can. The electrician signs off on it. The installers signing off on the STCs. You know, the the salesman's gone. Yep. I don't I don't it, really like when if something goes you know horrible, and then the retailer just you know passes the buck onto the subcontractor. Exactly. You, it's, you see the day and day on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so that's quite frustrating. Um, but I definitely think um, you know, design accreditation or some sort of certified sales program for you know all salespeople uh, will be mandatory because you know solar is quite a complex investment. Absolutely. And a lot of these companies 
try and you know simplify it, but yep. sometimes they oversimplify it, um, and the customer gets you know misled anyway. Well, right. We see these napkin sales. Yeah, great photos the, yeah. of just six and a half, that, yeah. six and a half peak sun yeah. hours, and yeah. the ROI over here, and, yeah. and the output over here, yeah, and, and it gets down the bottom. Lifetime savings, and it's, yeah. and it's one and a half year payback. Yeah. You know? Installed immediately, yeah, available yeah, it's, today. It's it's that's the stuff that we've got to try and remove and and, and make make people a bit more accountable. So who who is going to run this program. Let's, let's, go, let's go with this for a second. Um, you know, the, the Clean Energy Council cops a fair bit of flack for already being in a monopoly position. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, Pat. Um, who's going to run this program? What federal body... Do, do, is it something that we, we hand over to the, the ACCC or the uh, Clean Energy Regulator? Or, you know, who, Standards this is Australia. Standards Australia. Who, who, which, where do we find the right body? Because I know this is been a big challenge and it's why the Clean Energy Council, God bless them, they've stepped up and they've tried to do as much as they possibly can um, for one of someone else doing that. But this is a big problem. Who, well, who's going to do it, Jack? Cutters? Uh, I'd like to say solar cutters. Um, but I definitely agree there needs to be some sort of uh, mechanism and program in place to better combat you know, the subject of uh, crap solar. And at the moment you have CEC, SEC, Standards Australia, um, all sort of circling around, you know, the same topic. Yep. Um, but I really, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know where you yeah. Yeah. And where I, you would start. I don't know that, you know, that, that ticket, that sales licence, whatever you want to call it, I think it should be able to be given, well... Yeah, who 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 gets the financial? We could just say from? solar cutters, I guess. Then. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just but uh, so, straight, solar yeah. cutters are, I think, a few years away from being, you know, a couple of years, and are able to deliver an RTO program. You know, we've got we've got TAFEs, we've got master electricians, we've got CEC, we're smart. We've got all these different organisations that all want a piece of the pie. It's it's more about trying to get some collaboration at the yeah. top, yeah. so that it's. You know, I love the CEC and I love everything they do and they've, you know, they've got their, their issues and, 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 but all of them do. So we, we've got to try and get some more collaboration. We do, we do. Look, it's, um, it's, uh, there's, I hear there's a Wi-Fi inverter based company that have got drinks on soon. So, um, Wi-Fi probably, label company. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, everyone's pretty keen. I don't want to be between a man or a woman and a refreshing ale. So I'm going to wrap it up with a few questions. And I just um, want each of you guys, and Soph, of course, jump in if you've got one as well. Uh, what are the... Uh, just answer these questions for me. Nice, short, sharp, and sweet. Um, I'm going to start with you, Jack. Th top three dodgiest practices that you see that fall into the crap solar bucket that we need to focus on. Uh, not setting up monitoring uh, um, is a big one. Yeah. No, honestly, I think not setting up a monitoring and leaving their customer virtually in the dark. Yep. Um, and they sort of post on Facebook asking about the monitoring and how to set it up themselves, which sometimes requires the customer to access a menu on the inverter they probably shouldn't be accessing. Yep. Um, yeah, I'll say monitoring is a big issue. Um, I don't know. Open-ended conduits, um, inverters installed on north walls in full sun. It's just, yeah. Yep. It's, it's yep. horrifying that real basic stuff still going on. Yep. How many was that? That's two. <laughs> uh, should we get, should and the blue we... cover um, on the isolator um, is a big one. Not, not only just because of the blue cover, but because what it represents. Because if they left that cover on, who knows what, you know, what else they've left off or on a system. 
yeah. in a, in a, on the roof. Yeah. Eddie, uh, top three, mate. What are the big issues for you? That you've so been- bait and switch. So advertise and purport to be selling a high-level product, but on the day of installation, that product's no longer available. Gee, this is just as good, and we're already here, so we'll install it. Yep. Uh, and that product is half the value of the, the, the original contract. Uh, selling low value and low quality product at a premium. That's one of my pet hates. Yep. You know, a system that should be sold for five or six grand. Mm. Now, profit's not a dirty word and margins have got to be built in and to be sustainable, we've got to be profitable. But selling a six and a half grand system for $14,000 yeah. because it was the only way the little old lady could get the salesman out of the house. Yep. That's, that's probably one of my worst. On finance too. Probably. Yeah, and yeah, always yeah, on finance. finance. For, for the rest of your life, yeah. Uh, and, you know, misleading advertising and misleading return on investments. Yeah, yeah. So very much of the retail end, you're, you're, I'm hearing that. Um, what okay. would yours be? What would mine be? Yeah. Your top I'm three. a host, man. Sorry, I just <laughs> asked the question. I don't know. I didn't ask a question. Um, <laughs> Sorry. When I was speaking to Senec before, they, he, I said, you know, what do you think some of the barriers are to storage at the moment? And he said that he, he thinks the STC program has hampered things because it, it stopped people from selling the whole value of solar, which you were talking about, like with the monitoring and that kind of thing. So instead, yep. people are just after, I just want to put the panels on the roof, yep. get the STC. Leverage the rebate. And there's no sort of talk about, you know, future storage or monitoring or, yep. you know, um, pairing it with a hot water system, that kind of thing. Yep. STCs are a double-edged sword. Mm. They're, they're yep. great and they sustain our industry and they sustain volume but they bring in the bottom feeders. Yeah. Yep. And they bring in that low quality product. Yep, yep. Uh, excellent uh, responses. Sorry for being so... No, you cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hadn't thought about the answer to that. Um, um, I'd, um, okay, one simple question. Do you think, overall, are we over-regulated or under-regulated? Both. <laughs> okay. I guess oh, that's that's sort of a hard question. Uh, I guess underregulated. I guess to a certain degree because we're still seeing, you know, crap aspects of every part of the sale sneaking through. Yeah. Um, and you just at the moment simply can't avoid it. Yep. Um, but I'll yeah I'll probably say underregulated. Under. In that regard. Yeah. Eddie. Overregulated in some aspects yeah. and underregulated in other. There so you the, go. the balance is not right. The balance is out. Yep. Got it. It's a better answer. Yes. <laughs> Um, what's um, a lot of people in this, there's 6,000 companies in the solar industry uh, apart from the dodgy crap ones who, none of whom are here I assume um, uh, for all the good companies that are out there what's the one thing that they can do in the course of their normal week to help overcome this to help do if everyone if everyone could take one step. If everyone could do one thing, we'd move forward, right? Uh, if, what is the one thing that you would recommend that any solar company should do to, you know, try and overcome this problem of crap solar? Put all their sales people through design accreditation immediately would be the first thing yep. to do. And yep. just encourage customers to do, you know, their research yep. um, and go get those three quotes. Um, but I think it all starts with, you know, sales in general. I think that's in- inherently where the issues start and end, yep. ultimately. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, um, design accreditation 
um, will go a long way, I think, for like a, a good retail sales company. Eddie? Um, from an installer point of view, block those sales companies. They need you to install their work. Yep. Don't work for them. Yep. Um, and, and don't bow down to their pricing. And then from a retail point of view, it's, it's don't be tempted to go in with that low value, low, you know, that, that really cheap option. Hold your price, hold your quality, and be confident in, in what you're doing and the longevity and the long-term uh, requirements for your sustaining your business. Yep. And, and turn the quote over. You know, when they show you that three and a half grand, two grand, whatever it is, that's great, but that's got nothing to do with the industry I'm in. This is my value proposition. This is the system I'm selling. And this is why you want to buy a high quality, high performing system rather than, it's junk, it's, they're toys. They're, they're something you buy and you throw away. It's, and, and the problem we've got is the, the waste and the landfill and the, and the extra work we have to do in removing and reinstalling that system. Yep, yep. Um, last question. Um, you're, um, it's late at night, you're across the road, end of a big day, you get in the elevator, Prime Minister's in there. Um, he says, hi, you're a colourful lad. Uh, what, um, what do you do? And you explain what you do. And uh, Crap Solar comes up in the conversation and you've got 30 seconds to tell him the one thing that you think is the most critical that would change this issue. Uh, and, and, and you can influence. If you, could, if you could influence at the top level to have just one thing changed, what would it be? Uh, I'd love there to be a, uh, a minimum pricing regulation right. on installation costs. So, you know, minimum um, minimum base rates for installers, yep. and then you'd have sort of some sort of retailer code of conduct that would, you know, enforce, you know, base level pricing yep. across the board to try and, you know, um, get customers thinking about, you know, maybe that $3,000 system isn't what I need. Maybe I need to spend six. $7,000 for the same size system. Yep. But what I would say to the Prime Minister is that I definitely think there should be a minimum, you know, pricing regulation put through. Interesting. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah. Eddie, you went to that event across the road as well. You've gone upstairs. You've had a few drinks with Jack. It's time to leave. You get in the lift. The Prime Minister's on his way out. You've got 30 seconds. What are you going to ask him? I, I, I would be talking big picture. So remove the negative negativity around renewables. Yep. So when you're talking about energy in the energy mix, it, there's, no, there's no winner, yep. but we're all winners. And renewables can't be portrayed in politics as the enemy. Remove that connotation about renewables being the enemy. Yep. We, we're, we're part of the solution and politics and government in Australia has got to start acknowledging that because yep. then it comes from top down and we all talk about change. I think well, he's pressed the alarm button by now. Oh, yeah, he's running. <laughs> I'd, I'd tackle him. I'd, ta I'd hold him down. Yeah, yeah. All you socialist in here. <laughs> all you got to do is look out in this hall where you can see how much good stuff's going yep. on. So if we need to thank our sponsors yes. and wrap up, don't we? <laughs> yes, yeah. we do. <laughs>
Um, well, you might need to do that because I... OK, OK. So, uh, uh, sponsors of this podcast are PV Cell, Warwick Johnston from Sunwiz. Um, I've seen Warwick around today and a great supporter of the show and Solar Analytics, who've been a long-time supporter as well. Um, it's, we probably need to wrap up. And uh, please thank our guests, yep. uh, thank Eddie, thanks, Eddie. Thanks, and Jack. Jack. And uh, thanks to our audience for coming along. Um, and um, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Yep. Cheers. Excellent. Thanks, Nigel. Solar Insiders was brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell software. Powerful technology for solar sales and design with free high definition rooftop imagery in every PV cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.